What drives behavior is emotion. We, we don't have free will, we have free wants. And every single thing that every human being or every living thing in the world does starts with an unconscious impulse to act. You are listening to The Real Leaders Podcast, your number one source for impact leaders, harnessing capitalism to sustain the planet, people, and profits. I'm your host, Kevin Edwards, and that message was from Shane Skillen, the CEO of Hot Specs, who breaks down the psychology of consumer decision-making and what a company must do to survive post-COVID era. And on today's episode, I asked Shane about why marketing is so effective, how to show strength in the post-COVID era, and if consumers have free will or free won't. So without further ado, ladies and gentlemen, let's give it up for the real Shane Skillen. Enjoy. All right, let's get this baby started. Here we go in five, four, three, two, and one. And welcome everyone to this episode of the Real Leaders Podcast. I'm your host, Kevin Edwards, here today to talk about human behavior and leadership force through a crisis is the CEO of Hotspec's group of companies, Mr. Shane Skillen. Shane, thanks for being with us today. Thanks, Kevin. Great to be here. All right, Shane. So I got a story for you. So I haven't been sleeping well as of recently. And I'm not, this is 100% honest. I have not been sleeping well as of recently. And I woke up this morning, literally today, at like 5 a.m. Maybe it was a little bit earlier, like 5 and I'm trying, you know, I, I got like this Calm app, Shane. So I'm like on my Calm app. I'm like throwing on some soundscapes, throwing on some things in the background, like trying to you know, make me go back to sleep. This is pretty common for me. And then all of a sudden I just go, screw it. Like, I'm just going to get on Instagram. So I go on Instagram, just kind of scrolling through things. First off, purple mattress ad hits me. Oh, maybe it's my mattress. Maybe it's a problem. Yeah, whatever. I scroll through the prices, whatever. Ne- next one, nectar mattress ad hits me. Scroll through. Wow, they got bed sheets. They got pillows, they got nice sheets, and it's $300 left, and I got a 100-day trial, and it's going to be in my house in two or three days. Shane, I dropped $700 on a mattress, and it wasn't even 6 a.m. So the question for you, Shane, is what is the key driver of behavior, and what is marketing? Yeah, you know, it's a great question, complicated question. Uh, whole, whole courses and books are written on the topic, but... To summarize, uh, what drives behavior is emotion. We, we don't have free will, we have free wants. And every single thing that every human being or every living thing in the world does starts with an unconscious impulse to act. And that impulse to act is then later met with our rational agree-disagree engine that lives up in our cortex. And, you know, we, again, we have no free will, we only have free wants. So, so at that time, Instagram is very clever. They knew that you were having trouble sleeping because of the time you were on it. So there's an algorithm that has learned that people that pick up their phones at odd hours have probably had trouble sleeping and you're looking to solve a problem very quickly. And then your, your subconscious urge, emotional impulse to act uh, is about self-preservation. And, and you know that sleep is important and it's great to use the Calm app. I would also recommend to you and your listeners as well, counting backwards from 10,000 is very, very helpful as well, too. Mm. Uh, actually, blinking your eyelids very, very quickly, uh, 100 times, and then trying to count backwards from 10,000 will usually get you back to sleep. A great mattress is good, too, and I'm a, you know, I'm a big believer in, in, in getting great sleep. I've got, I've got all those toys, a weighted blanket, special mattress, 
um, soundscapes. My room's very, very dark. And, you know, marketing tries to take advantage of these things and, and tries to help you develop strong impulses and urges to buy things. That's what we do for a living, actually, at Hot Specs. We help our brands, our brand clients, of which it's over 300 of the biggest brands in the world, figure out the subconscious drivers towards their cars or their hand creams or their razors or Google. And the better a brand can do that and rouse subconscious desires within us to want products, the more they're going to sell, the higher the price people will pay for it, the more they'll advocate and the more loyal they'll be. Shane, you work with some of the top brands in the world. Uh, when did you get into marketing and what drew you to it in the first place? Yeah, it's a great question. You know, I, I've always been a fan of, of marketing. You know, commercials are amazing. They're 30 second films, video commercials, 30 second films packed with emotion. In fact, it's, it's, it's quite a feat to be able to pack a whole story into 30 seconds, air it on television or now digital and have it see such a massive impact in driving business. It's a $2 trillion industry, according to Harvard Business Review. And I was always fascinated with it. And hey, look, it's, it's hard to make a commercial. I don't nearly have the skill or the self-confidence to actually create things. But our business, we, we test things and we run media for things. So we, we help brands understand what their strategy should be. And then we help make sure that all the things that they make are aligned to that strategy. They don't actually create any products or advertisements. Um, we test them. And then we, we have a digital media division that actually runs those ads as well, too. So I've, I've been able to achieve my, my life goal to do really cool stuff for the world's leading brands because my ADD, now ADHD, is uh, totally satiated by being able to see all of the new stuff and help all the coolest brands understand what to bring to market. I mean, it's, it's a, it's a wonderful industry and it's, it's just, it's never boring. I don't think I've been bored for even an hour in 20 years of doing this, which is just incredible to say. Um, it's flown by like that from when we founded the company 20 years ago. And would you say in, since you've started and in, in to where we are in present day that, you know, consumer behavior has changed or what are some of the uh, I guess, core drivers of these consumer behaviors? Yeah, I mean, consumer behavior has changed. We see, um, you know, values shifting. And, you know, you think about back in the day, the reason why they called soap operas the soap operas is because um, Procter & Gamble was behind them. So they created TV shows so they could advertise for Tide, hence soap opera. So all you had to do to sell a product back then was... You know, make a 30 second TV spot, show a product benefit, people would buy it because that was the only really media channel. But now, uh, fast forward to today, you know, the amount of ads that, that, a, that a human is exposed to, it's tens of thousands on a typical day. Now, that's not um, in times of COVID because we're not outside seeing all the outdoor billboards and all the things in restaurants. But that plethora of marketing messages that are trying to get through to people. Um, has caused a shift in just just how we buy stuff. Uh, I'd also say that Amazon has has had a very significant impact. You know, it's uh, you know because of this COVID crisis that we're in right now, uh, the, the the fleeing of people, uh, particularly older demographics that were resisting using Amazon, are, are out of necessity trying to use it now. And Amazon has created uh, this algorithm, the same algorithm that got you with Instagram, got you to buy a seven hundred dollar bed. 
Amazon is too run by algorithms and it, it knows us. It knows things we want even before we know we want them because it's got such a rich data set. And so that, that data set is doing an interesting job with marketing because, you know, do you really need to buy the, you know, $200 North Face gloves uh, to go skiing with? I was, I was joking with someone from Amazon actually about this on a, on a corporate offsite that we had. And do you need a $200 pair of North Face gloves or can you take a $100 pair that has 29,000 five-star Amazon reviews that's half price? And that's shifting just the dynamic of, of, of how we sell things. But, you know, first and foremost, the great brands create an emotional connection with people that causes that urge to want to use that product. And the way you create that emotional connection is by telling stories and showing people how that product is going to enrich their lives and help them live their values. I think uh, values have shifted around a lot too. And we're just doing a lot of research right now to understand how this, this COVID situation is going to alter the global values in turn. I mean, just think how things are going to be different. People are um, you know, not going to touch each other as much. People aren't going to travel as much. People are going to um, you know, want their, their homes to be uh, I call them prisons, but if you're going to be in a prison, you might as well have the pool and the landscaping and the furniture. And so people are going to change, um, you know, how they view the world. And so right now, you know, our job, we get, a, you know, our, our business is actually doing great through this because our brand clients want want to understand uh, what to do. How are people changing? And should they advertise? And how much should they advertise? And what 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 are the new requirements that products and services need to have in this? new current COVID and soon post-COVID world. And marketing's got a big job to do through this. Kevin, uh, I'll tell you why, because you know the economy is, I haven't seen an economist that has not said that we're going into a recession. And you know what drives the economy? It's the consumer engine that drives the economy. And what drives that consumer engine? Well, it's great products and services from great brands and great advertising because people don't want to buy those products and services. So we, we marketers have, a, have an incredible job and challenge ahead of us. It's an incredibly exciting time because we, we've got to get the economy restarted and as soon as possible, such that we don't you know, enter depression. I'm very excited about that. Yeah. And the companies that seem to be doing well, I guess, would be, it doesn't take a scientist to understand this, uh, essential products. And I was reading a report. Uh, on via the Economist, uh, and they were saying that, uh, well, people that are traveling the most are blue collar workers, uh, people that actually you know are are more, are more of the uh, the brawn behind the company than than say the brains of the company, where you know someone of the brains of the company can work comfortably at home versus someone who has to travel, uh, and so that just being you know beating up on on people that have to travel, them being more prone to the disease. And kind of like you said, you know, uh, how do we become, you know, an essential, essential company post-COVID? So I guess the question for you is, is what are, what are your predictions um, upcoming here at, you know, after the quarantine is lifted, if it is lifted, and uh, for, organ- for industries like um, hospitality, traveling, um, the ones that are hit the hardest – how do you see consumer behavior changing, I guess? And, and uh, what are some of, the, some of the advice that you would give? Yeah, I mean, it's a great question. So, so I um, published an article on that, I guess, last week. 
on specifically on restaurants. And I did it because I went and got takeout food from my favorite restaurant near my cottage. And talking to the owner, he just told me he was just absolutely decimated. And I, I asked him, you know, what are you going to do to turn this around? And he's like, I have no idea. I don't know what to do to drive my my takeout, my delivery business. And I don't know when the quarantine's lifted, how to get people back. We do surveys as part of our business at Hotspecs. So we did a, a survey with a few thousand people in North America <laughs> to understand, you know, why the why the holdback on actually ordering take out delivery. And there were a few things that emerged from it. One was just this fear of actually catching COVID-19. Um, and then worried that a lot of people were touching the food and then not having a good visibility into food preparation and not seeing what was happening behind the scenes. So the, the, the thing you just do is you, you immediately say, okay, if people are worried about that. A restaurant on their Instagram, show how the food is getting made, show the mask, show your cleaning regimen show how people are wearing gloves, show how you're taking this very, very seriously. People aren't coughing all over your food. And then there were other things too, like, you know, I, I don't know that I, I need, need to support the restaurants. People don't actually know how, how bad it is. And so it's easy things like, you know, put a thank you note in the, in the takeout food as it goes. Better yet, sign the back of a picture if you're a restaurateur of you and your family so that people can understand how supporting you is important. Um, Make sure that every meal that people get is like an 11 out of 10. So ask for emails on, you know, how was your food experience? If you don't get 11 out of 10 now, you might lose that customer. And every customer is worth 10x what it used to be because the business is down so much. And then, and then give people discounts and coupons for promoting the fact that they <coughs> went and had uh, a meal from your restaurant. Like give them 5 10% off. Um, if they're willing to post in their social media so that other people can see that their friends are safely eating and consuming food from various restaurants. So we're just going to see, you know, a massive shift in hospitality. I think we're going to see a lot of fear for people actually catching COVID. I mean, I know 50 people that have had this now from varying degrees of severity. And when you have the very severe ones and they're my age or younger than me, um, it's uh, it's terrifying. I mean, you know, I'm, I'm 42. I know a 37 year old marathon runner who's been laid up in his bed for three weeks, and um, you know, he's he just said, "This is no joke. You got to watch out for this. You you will have <laughs> that fear of people going into situations where uh, where they might get sick. I think you're going to see airlines have struggle with this. I think you're going to see the hotel, the whole travel industry is just going to have a massive problem with this. How do you how do we cruise again? How do we uh, remove the fear from people of actually catching us? And, you know, you know, we talk about emotions. The most powerful two emotions are fear and greed. And uh, it's not time to be greedy right now, but it is time to be scared. And you're going to see that just completely alter everybody's behavior. And we've got, you know, clients in the cleaning space and people are flocking to those brands. They don't want the no-name uh, products. They want the Clorox wipes. They want Tide. They want the good stuff because that's the stuff that's going to kill the COVID. So you're going to see a flight to those high quality brands in the, in the short term. Um, when we got start to enter a recession, things are going to get interesting. And <clears throat> I'll say, you know, all, all people in YPO need to think about this, about how to prepare their brands for recession. The, there is no shadow of a doubt that advertising during a recession is a good thing. A lot of people get scared. A lot of people pull back. Media is the first thing to get cut. But when you advertise through a downturn, 
like huge sophisticated companies like Procter & Gamble do, they reap just incredible rewards in terms of sales growth, uh, you know, in the three, four years after that recession happens. Because what happens is, you know, there's less brands advertising, the media gets cheaper, and the brands that are willing to double down in times of those, those, that economic crisis are the ones that do better. And that's, you know, a lot of, a lot of behavior is going to change through this. There's going to be a lot of opportunities for brands to tell stories. The stories that are getting told right now are all about, you know, recovery and, you know, our bank's here for you for this. And we're sending hand sanitizer to frontline workers. But it's how after that's done, the brands, and this is to everybody in YPO, you want to make sure that you remember well for how you behave during this time. And that's how you treat your staff. That's how you treat your customers. It's how you go to market. This will become a very important chapter in, in all YPO and, in fact, all companies. And it'll, I mean, it'll be referenced for millennia, this COVID thing that happened. Because this, this won't happen again like this. Now that humanity has gone through this, <laughs> we will be ready for the next version of this. But this, this will be talked about for, for eternity. And you want to make sure you've got those good stories. And we see a lot, of, a lot of brands doing really, really good things and diverting their resources to helping people. Uh, we see a few brands doing bad things, but I would say mostly for the... I'm really happy to see that all of our clients are just doing the right thing. In some cases, you've got clients of ours that, that want to remain nameless. So I won't tell you who they are, but doing stuff without putting their brands with it even. Just like, look, we know how to make X and the world needs X. We're just going to make it. Where do we send it? Um, and so, you know, just long, long way to answer your question, you know, all categories are, are going to change and it's, it's just going to be incredibly exciting to see how brands race to figure out how to serve those new consumer needs. There's going to be a lot of market research that gets done. And, you know, I, I'm honored that, that my job and my skill and the skill of my amazing team at Hotspots, because I've got such a great team. I'm so proud of them through this is going to be to help understand that new mindset of the world so that you know great brands can deliver against those needs so here's a three-pronged question are you saying the poor brands are going to get weeded out the non-essential brands are going to get weeded out what positives do you see from this and for a business owner listening to this how they become i guess i don't know an essential service yeah i mean it's a great question so i i think you are going to see a lot of bankruptcies i think you're going to see Amazon fill a lot of that gap. And you're going to see big companies use this as a moment to knock out smaller competitors, buy them, take their market share, hire their people. Mm. I mean, we're, we're doing that. We're, we're, our, our company is looking out of the market to make acquisitions and to create partnerships and looking at, at this as a you know, time of tremendous opportunity. Um, you know, crisis, there's a, I think it's an Asian. Um, it's an Asian character that says crisis is both opportunity and a threat. So danger and an opportunity. Um, and so you're going to see a lot of the biggest, most sophisticated brands press their advantage here. What I would advise um, all brands to do and anybody listening is to just take advantage of this massive seismic shift that is happening and, you know, get out in front of it, innovate. It's a, it's a, it's a requirement to innovate. You know, that's what, our species is better than any other species in the world. That's why we are able to talk over video technology right now and basically have dominated our environment um, is because we're innovative. We, we know how to change, you know, innovate or die. And, and I, I, I'd encourage, you know, entrepreneurs to go get out of the fear zone where they're scared and they're mad and <clears throat> they think, you know, how did this happen? And where's my government handout? 
and go into the, the, the opportunity zone, start to think about, um, you know, how they can use this and use this to their advantage. I mean, some great companies have come out of recessions, like Walmart, Microsoft, Uber, like when you go into these, into these compressions, the world goes through a reset and it's a great opportunity. I think, I think the startups that are going to come out of this are going to be amazing. There's, there's, billions of dollars of venture capital money and hedge fund money looking to get deployed and it's going to find good homes and you're going to see this block of amazing new technologies and companies come out on the other side of this. Shane, you definitely have a more optimistic view than most of the other guests we've had on the show. Now, I don't want to undermine the social distancing move that's being taken place, but I also don't want to underestimate the acumen of small business owners and the things like you mentioned are going to be put in place. Uh, show them how the product's made. Make sure that it's at 11 out of 10 stars. The meal's that good of quality. It's handled with care. What are, to you, some of the steps that businesses can highlight and, and, and promote to others about the reopening steps of their business? Yeah, I mean, it's great. So <clears throat> we did that research for restaurants for free. We did one for salons as well, too, because I've, I've actually got uh, one of our, it's, it's the hot specs group of companies. We've got a media division, we've got a data division, we've got an insights division. We also have a, a hair products division. It's actually called Conmoto. And so this is something I created with a, a stylist, actually a salon owner yeah, that I've had that. for 20 years. Yeah, and he's, uh, he's been decimated. So he's lost all of his clients. He shut down his salon. He's had to lay off all of his staff. But there's a way through it. So, so we did a survey and we learned here's five things you can do as a salon owner um, to get revenue now to make sure when you reopen that you're reopened in a way where people will come and, and they'll tell their friends and you actually get your business going. Uh, and it came from a survey. So uh, I, I would encourage any small business owners, there's not a lot of acumen required to, to run a survey. In fact, if you want to reach out to me, I'm happy to help anybody with some YPO or anybody in the world, because that's basically what we're doing right now. My unique skill, you know, I can't make hand sanitizer, but I sure as heck can know how to run a survey for someone to figure out how that consumer behavior is going to change so that you can make sure that your products or services are lined up with those new sets of needs so that as, as the world turns back on and as we go through this economic recession that you're there giving them the things that they need. And I mean, the salon stuff is just so interesting. All you got to do, reach out to your clients. You know, 85% of people want to hear from their salon, from their stylist and have it uh, ship them hair brought colors that they want. They'll pay for it right now. They want to get it. The roots are going in. They're doing video conferencing. They're FaceTime. They feel like crap in their households. Ship them that stuff. Sell them a subscription plan. They will, they will buy the next two years of salon services from you if you give them a 10% discount now, which is cash in your in your pocket as a salon. And then when you reopen, there's five things that you've got to do to make sure that they feel comfortable and confident while they're actually in your salon getting their hair treatment. So it all comes from service. It comes from asking people questions around what they need to see so that they go and do business with those entrepreneurs. Shane, we've talked about a lot of uh, products and services right now, but a lot of people uh, don't think about the good that internal marketing does, the brand, the culture that it builds, the re retention of employees that sustains a good culture. Uh, to you, through this crisis, what makes a good culture and what should companies be focusing on? 
Yeah, I mean, a good, a good culture of people that come into work every day and they're engaged. They believe in their, their core purpose of their organization. There's nothing more important than purpose. So you got to understand what your organization's purpose is and have a bunch of people that are there that are all driving towards that purpose. That's the North Star. I think what through this crisis companies need to do is make sure that they're living a purpose. Um, you know, we've got a, a number of different clients that are very specific about their purpose. And it's actually proven to be, you know, be that North star that's guiding through this. It's helping them make decisions um, about what, uh, what they're going to do. I mean, we work with an, an amazing bank uh, here in Canada called RBC. It's actually the most valuable brand in the country. Uh, it's just an incredible organization. And it's, you know, it's basically the, the monetary backbone of our economy in, uh, in Canada. That's the biggest bank here. It's got four competitors, but it's just, you know, it, it thinks about things, thinks about things beyond banking. It's got a whole ventures division that um, helps people outside of traditional financial services. And their purpose is to you know, help communities thrive and help people prosper. And that then leads into this incredible brand promise, which is the promise that they make, um, they make, uh, make to people. And it's to improve human experiences through imagination and insight. And, and that actually allows them to unleash, uh, you know, a number of different programs. And they've been absolutely amazing through this crisis in terms of helping people in need and, and reaching out to people and checking in on people. And then I can see them getting ready for the recovery and helping to relaunch the country. And they're all jazzed. They, they are, they are a motivated, turned on bunch of employees and team members that work at that bank because they, they, they feel that purpose and everything they do every day. And so I would say we see that across all of our clients and, you know, I, I can't think of any clients that don't have a stated purpose and aren't, aren't holding up to that and using that as a tool <laughs> to make sure that their employees are highly engaged in delivering it. Um, and then also used as a tool to make sure that they're doing the right thing out in the market. Shay, I want to bounce something off of you, if you uh, can be my soundboard for a second. Uh, we interview a lot of social entrepreneurs, a lot of social enterprises, people that believe in a triple bottom line, people, planet, profit. And they that belief to uh, a core mission to go beyond the balance sheet, to solve business problems in socially constructive ways, they believe that that purpose is what brings in the employees and adds value to their products. To you as a marketer, um, is the environmental, uh, philosophical uh, marketing approach some, is something that is resilient through a time of crisis in a recession? I mean, I think I mean, it's, it's an interesting question. Um, I, I, the answer, short answer is yes. I mean, hmm. look, if you got Maslow's hierarchy of needs, and, and you know, if, if you're going to bankrupt your organization because you're, you're trying to, um, you know, be a hundred percent green when you can be 90% green and not bankrupt your company. Well, that's, that is an interesting balance, an interesting conversation to have. It's, that's above, above my pay grade. I, I do know that, um, uh, the whole world is moving to purpose and moving to environmental effects. And you've got the biggest hedge funds in the world, um, saying that they're just not going to invest in people that aren't doing that because they, they see the writing on the wall. I mean, you know, everyone has a legacy they want to live in. You don't want to fund people that are destroying the planet. Um, and you want to make sure that, that investments like that are, are creating change. I, I actually think that it was BlackRock that said, we won't invest in anybody without a purpose. And then boom, everyone has a purpose. <laughs> and so when BlackRock speaks, the whole entire world listens because you definitely want their attention. <laughs> I don't know how many trillion they have under management. I think it might be over 10 trillion. 
And it's just the right thing to do. And I think you're going to see governments start to say that, you know, severely punish people that are, are hurting, hurting things like the environment. I, I think this COVID crisis is shining a bright light on how, you know, we, we might be able to innovate and we might be masters of our own domain, but you know, planet earth can come get us. It's like, just like that. So, you know, our next major challenge as a species is going to be to deal with global warming. That is, that is causing, you know, major environmental effects. And my hope is that this actually know that this is happening because I, we ran this survey. Are people more interested in science now? So science will save us from COVID. We need science. And hey, science is also saying we've got this global warming thing happening that's going to kill us and kill our planet. So aren't we lucky that we had this non-fatal, non-whatever non they call those things, uh, dramatic fatal event, whatever it is when the asteroid hits uh, the Earth, extinction level event, the LED. This will not be an extinction level event. Global warming could be. And so is this going to be the impetus that we all need to see that, hey, <laughs> we've got problems out there and we need to deal with them. And uh, I just, I'm, I'm excited that that will be uh, a major shift in the world to start to see and start to embrace the importance of science and start to embrace things like a triple bottom line and, and, and support companies that do the right thing and punish those that don't. Mm. And I see that as another you know, major benefit of this crisis that we're going through. From a psychological perspective, let's just take that example. I, I really like that comparison, you know, climate crisis to the COVID crisis. Uh, do you think that people like it, it's an invisible thing, right? So COVID, you can't really see climate change. You can't see either following this crisis. People's uh, retirements are sunk. Small business owners are you know, they lost their their best employees. Uh, people are are now unemployed. Do you think that they're going to be concerned about the climate or concerned about bank accounts? And how do you do you see that this affecting uh, the climate crisis as a whole in terms of uh, consumerism? Yeah, I mean, it's a hell of a question. So I mean, we do work in vitamins and we do work in painkillers. Painkillers sell for many <laughs> multiples more expensive than vitamins because <laughs> I have a headache. I'm going to take it. I vitamins are a more longer term thing where I should take this and maybe it'll have some health benefits that I can't really, really feel. Um, that's kind of what you're talking about. So I've lost my job. I've lost my savings. Do I really want to save the planet or is there a way to um, hurt the planet while rebuilding my savings? I think the governments and I think that again, like, like BlackRock will shape the global uh, conversation, shape the global requirements, shape the, the laws to go down a path that is more helpful to the planet. And, you know, I've asked, I've asked the survey, people are saying, and it was three weeks ago, so not everyone lost their jobs yet or their savings hadn't been decimated, but they said, yeah, I, this is, this has made me much more attuned to the impact that I and society is having on the world because, you know, we're, we're occupants of this global ecosystem. And, and, you know, we're screwing it up. I mean, if we weren't here. This COVID thing wouldn't have happened. A lot of different things happening around that as well. I'm, I'm most nervous about China-US, China-world relations and mm, see how that all plays out because there's some very negative information around how China handled this whole thing and to see, you know, the geopolitics that are going to unfold from this and then 
you know, the, the retraction of globalization. I mean, you've got New Zealand and Australia have eliminated COVID almost. So they're not, they're not going to let planes come in for the foreseeable future. And you're going to see, you know, third world countries not get a lot of support. Um, and it's, it's just going to be, you know, the unraveling of the globalization is going to be a major challenge for humanity to deal with over the next three to five years. And, you know, will we globalize again? And, you know, the, the Chinese party, um, you know, re- remains to be seen what, what happens with that and how different governments react to some of the, the press that's out there, whether it's fact or fiction, but, you know, I would, I would applaud China. I mean, it's a, yeah, I've been there. It's a, it's a very, was a very dirty place, but they are getting green real quick because they see, the writing on the wall that you know air pollution kills people hurts the planet and now there's all, there's all these technologies to go green so china's china's going quite green and it's you know it, it's 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 um, unnerving to see uh other countries might be not going as green as quickly because to your point you know they are uh they're more economically driven than they are planet driven COVID going on, with climate change going on, with uh, authoritarian dictatorships going on in the world, geopolitical risks. There's a lot of crises. And another, another example that sticks out to me is also like, it's right up your alley, data security. Um, and, you know, we've got an upcoming election coming up here. And all, the one thing that comes to mind is Cambridge Analytica. And, you know, just like me, I don't have a problem with people selling me a great magazine, but it's also scary that they knew I was, or not a magazine, a mattress. It's also scary that they knew I was looking for a mattress in the first place. Do, do you see data security or privacy laws changing in the in the foreseeable future, Shane? Yeah, it's a great question, and I would challenge the fact that that's scary that that Instagram knew when to show me that mattress. Like, you get an amazing new mattress now. Like, you look how well rested you look I'm, right now. I am very wow. excited. Yeah. So 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 you know that's the trade that we have is to let companies use our data so that they can tailor our world around us in a way that makes our world better. I'm totally cool with that. I think a lot of people are totally cool with that. What's going to happen or what people are predicting and the economists predict this too, is that this crisis will let, um, you know, data be used to help cure COVID and then maybe not walk back in terms of the data that they have on those people. Mm. The fact of the matter is though, the vast majority of the world is a democracy and when you tell the democracy about their data security and, and the democracy is not happy with that, laws get passed. And you look in California where you sit right now, those laws are really good. <laughs> There's some good data, some privacy laws. Cookies are going away in digital advertising. The democracies will allow for data to be used um, in, in the right way, in a, in a way that's socially acceptable. You get into you know, different, different regime run uh, countries and, and, and it, it won't be used that way. Things will go different. You know, it'll, it'll maybe be good for those societies in terms of, you know, curing things like COVID, but the population will have no say on how their data is going to get used and what different companies can do. But you're right. I mean, data, data security is uh, it's a thing. I mean, I went, I, I was at the tech conference and had coffee with Sergey Brin and I pitched him an idea on how to improve the Google, Google search algorithm. And uh, he, he said, I said, I just want to ask you one question. I'll give you the free idea, which they were kind of already doing anyways, using image analytics to actually to understand people better based on their photos. 
And uh, I asked him what kept Sergey Brin awake at night. And he said, that is the data security. He said, the amount of attacks, attacks on our servers every day from around the world of people trying to hack into Google. I mean, it's hundreds of thousands of people that this is a full-time job <laughs> to do. And so, you know, making sure that the right data stays secure, our bank accounts, our search histories, things that we don't want known and linked back to us. Uh, it's important. And, you know, we're right, we're right in this. I mean, we have got a media business, so we can see, you know, the lengths that great companies like Google and Facebook are going to make sure that that data is completely secure. Uh, but they know a lot about us. They know a lot about us. Amazon knows a lot about us. And it's, again, the benefit is to tailor the world around us such that we live, you know, our best possible lives. And I think people are willing to trade off that data and those companies knowing that stuff so that they can get those experiences, get those new beds like you got. Well, I think that's that's the main issue people have is the power that companies and for profits have of your data that they can change the world, that they can make you make a decision and potentially persuade an election. Do you feel that, you know, marketing is is like consumers are just, you know, like Pavlov's dog and you can condition a human if you really wanted to change their behavior? Well, humans, you know, there's, there's free will, right? We are, we are free. And since the beginning of time, I you said there's all, free won't, there's free won't. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You're right. You're right. Good. Good. I see if you and your listeners are paying attention. So there's free won't there you go, there. not buy the mattress. Like you could have said, no, I don't want to buy the mattress. No one put a gun to your head and said you wanted to buy the mattress. True. Um, since the beginning of time, people have been told information about products and services, the $2 trillion global, <laughs> global industry. Think about how boring the world would be if there was no advertising. How, how would you know about anything? You wouldn't even know about the bed. The bed company would never know how to find you and get that story in front of you. So you bought it, which has thus improved your life, <laughs> made you a better person for having that product. And every year, you're going to buy hundreds, thousands of products that you only find out about through advertising. And that's the job of marketers is to get help you understand which products and services out there are going to enrich your life, so deliver a higher quality of life. And you always have free won't. No one's going to force you to buy that stuff or vote for anybody. It's your vote. You can decide whatever you want to do. It's a, it's a free country. Shane, with all these big questions, all these big um, movements going on, these crises that are happening to you, what's, what's some good examples of the leadership that's, that's needed in times like these? Well, I think the leadership in, in times like these, um, you know, like you talk about political leadership. I, I really like what's going on in New Zealand. She's getting on video. Uh, Zoom is much like this, talking to the whole country if they want to log in and see it. Um, and, and she's just out there calling it like it is. I think you need to treat people like they're intelligent. You need to tell them what you know, what to expect, what's going to happen. So they're not scared and not don't have a knowledge gap around what's going on out there. And, and there's organization. I think you see other examples where things are disorganized and, and you see, you know, confusion being put into people and that creates fear and swirl and not good, not having good results for people. So I think, I think the leaders, the great leaders that are out there are being empathetic, are meeting people uh, at their level and being open and honest with them and treating them like, like people who can make their own decisions. And you know, there's there's some some bad bad examples of that not happening, but mostly what I see is just just really good examples of that happening. Shane, uh, you provide so much information on this show today, uh, everything from the consumer to the purpose driven leader. 
uh, to take on these crises in a moment like this of so much uncertainty. To you, Shane Skillman, what is your definition of a real leader? I mean, it's a great, it's a great question, and I I revisit this often. But right now, my current definition of a real leader is is, is you've got to make people better than they ever thought they could be. It's that complex and that simple. I love it. Keep it simple, stupid. Another another marketing uh, tip for you today. Well, Shane, appreciate your time coming on the show. It was a pleasure speaking with you. I'm so happy uh, you were able to come on. And also looking forward to your article in the upcoming Real Leaders uh, Fall Edition coming out here soon about how leadership is forged through a crisis. So, Shane, just want to thank you for coming on the show today. For Shane Skill, and I'm Kevin Edwards asking you to go out there, make people better. And always, folks, keep it real. Thanks, Shane. Appreciate you. Thanks, Kevin. All right, good people. And if you want to read that article that Shane authored in this next upcoming edition, make sure to go online to real-layers.com slash subscribe and use coupon code podcast25 at checkout to receive your first magazine for free with a year subscription. That's four magazines for the price of three. Again, folks, that's coupon code podcast25 all lower case and for the visual learners out there if you want to watch this interview on your computer or your tv or your tablet with friends and family make sure to subscribe to our new youtube channel at real leaders magazine to see all of our interviews with guests harnessing capitalism to sustain the planet people and profits thanks again for being a real leader and stay tuned for the next episode of The Real Leaders Podcast.